Hello and welcome to the First in Orange podcast, your Broncos podcast presented by the Denver Post. I'm Nick Kosmider alongside my colleague Nikki Javala, who just flew in yesterday back from Mobile, Alabama, uh, where she was uh, covering Senior Bowl practices. Nikki, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> so, yeah, so no. I understand Mobile was like just it's like a glitzy red carpet oh, kind yeah. of town. It was it was a cultural experience. <laughs> it was interesting. But it was really good to see um, a lot of these pro- prospects up close. Um, you really get a sense of what they can do, what they struggle with, how they interact with the Bronco staff. So that part was a really interesting and good experience. Yeah, and most most people, most of our listeners probably already know, but for maybe some who's don't, um, just just give an insight into the um, the access that Broncos the Broncos staff did get by being you know the coaching staff selected to coach um, the North team this week. Yeah, so all week, I mean, they had they had access that only the Texans would get with their South team is, you know, they they have the three days of practices and the game on Saturday, but they also have positional meetings every single day. They had a full North team meeting um, Monday when they all arrived. They get access to them um, during meal times and. Throughout the week, just away from the field, away from the cameras, and, and that's a valuable experience. That's time where you get to learn about these guys uh, and understand who they are and how they how they take to the teaching, how they interact with their teammates, how they lead, how maybe they don't lead. Um, so it, it's a lot of stuff, mostly intangibles, that they can take with them um, in, in preparing for the draft and, and free agency as well. Um, you know, as they're trying to piece together which holes they look to right. fill in free agencies and then which holes they look to fill in drafts. So it's a valuable experience. It's a lot of work, um, <laughs> which is why not every coach, every coaching staff wants to jump at the opportunity. It's also a recognition that you were obviously not very good the season before, uh-huh. but, you know, as, as for if a they team, needed reminding. <laughs> right, right. But for a team looking to rebuild as Broncos are, it was I would think a really good experience is and the coaches had nothing but good things to say about doing it. Yeah, and it's hard it's hard it would be hard to argue um that, that the Broncos could have had a much better time to, to be able to do it simply because as we right. as we know, we talked about a little bit last week, is just the need for a quarterback. Right. And so to be able to work up close with, with two that are expected to be in the first round, mm-hmm. Wyoming's Josh Allen and Oklahoma's Baker Mayfield, how how much did you see that being kind of like a hands-on experience they got to have with those two? Uh, it, it was This was everything they wanted. Um, you know, they, they wanted to have the top guys on their roster. And when you, when you look at the Senior Bowl roster, it's very much skewed in the Broncos' favor. I mean, they got Josh Allen, they got Baker Mayfield, they got the guard, Will Hernandez, that uh, apparently was moved over from the South team to the North team to be reunited with um, Sean Kugler, who was his coach at UTEP and is now um, one of the Broncos' offensive line coaches. So they, they had a lot of talent on their side, and it gave them um, a week's glimpse in, into who these kids are. Um, and, and you're right, it, it couldn't have happened at a better time because not only do they see the guys that have become – um, household names, but they get the guys that have come from smaller schools that could be really valuable pieces of the NFL. Like, I mean, you look at Marcus Davenport, who's on the South team, but this is a kid that's come from a smaller school and is a really highly, highly touted prospect. You get to see a lot of receivers that, you know, maybe haven't gotten as much recognition as others um, heading into the draft, but can no doubt play. Um, so it, it was a great, it was a 
great week of access for the Broncos, and I think they they picked up a lot of valuable information, most of which they did not want to share to give away sure. trade secrets about uh, some of the guys they, they got to work with. But um, it, it happened at a good time. Uh, they got a lot of decisions to make, a lot of holes to fill, so... Um, some of these kids could fill them. Right. And, you know, I, I, I read some of your reporting, and um, I think there was one quote Vance Joseph had that their, their number one, um, I, I think, priority was to make it the best experience sure. possible for those players. That was their sure. big focus. But mm-hmm. do you sense that it could be any advantage when you're putting together a new staff that they got to kind of work oh, through their game plan and all that? Absolutely. I mean, you got to remember this is the first time the new coaches have really taken the field together. Um, so I'm sure they, they worked out a number of kinks just in terms of how they communicate with the, with each other, how they design the practice plans, um, how they work with the players, how, you know, they, they run a practice together. So um, I, I think it was valuable for the Broncos in that way, too. Um, but it was interesting because you could see throughout the practices, too, this wasn't just about testing the player skills, seeing how they handled one-on-one matchups, seeing how they handled meetings. And the Broncos were throwing in a lot of their own stuff. Right. You could see how their um, the quarterbacks were working with Mike Sullivan, who was recently hired as a new QBs coach, um, working on their dropbacks, uh, working under center, You know, using a lot of calls from the, what figures to be the Broncos' offense. Um, so that was really interesting to see how they implemented their own stuff and to get a visual of how these kids would would handle playing at the next level to this degree anyway it's much different in game time but you know these basic concepts that you know for the past two years we've kind of seen Paxson Lynch struggle with quite a bit right. in terms of footwork and all that stuff so I've got to know how um, if you're if you're a guy and, and the senior bowl being kind of like your first real foray into working with an NFL mm-hmm. coaching staff how did defensive linemen work with Bill Kolar? I mean, I just got to imagine. I saw the Broncos put out kind of a behind-the-scenes video, but you were yeah. there. I mean, That was a heavily edited video from my <laughs> sources that took all day to edit. I, and would, if, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> for, for those who haven't seen Bill Kolar up close, um, most of his coaching comes in the form of four-letter words <laughs> and a lot of screaming. But it's all, in, it's all because he cares. It's not just to scream at these guys. He's a character, him and Reggie Herring, and mm-hmm. to watch those two in action was was something. I mean, we experienced it in training camp, and I think it was new to a lot of these players, clearly. Um, but, you know, these uh, – I think it was similar to what the Broncos will tell you in that he's, he's kind of a learned taste, you know. He's very different and jarring at first, uh, learning to work with Bill Kolar, perhaps Reggie Herring too, but they all come away feeling like – you know, this guy really taught us something. Um, you talk to some of the Broncos defensive linemen, they they all, they love Kolar. They love that he's kind of that tough, screaming, um, right. booming voice type because he teaches them something. And you can watch that video on the Broncos website. It really gives you a glimpse into who he is yeah. as a coach. So. I, I thought that was interesting, an interesting part of, um, you know, talking to a lot of the defensive linemen throughout this year. Um, you know, even guys like Adam Gotsis, who had a, mm-hmm. struggled as a rookie last year, said sometimes it just takes a little, takes like a year because yeah. it's just, it is just so different, yeah. kind of the way that he that he coaches you. Um, you know, obviously, uh, we'll talk now about the. I know these two guys specifically, Allen and, and Mayfield, were kind of the obvious stars um, that were there down there. 
Um, just take me through, you know, we, we're sitting here just watching um, the Senior Bowl now. We're recording this on a Saturday. Um, and, and um, you know, the practicing is, is the biggest part of this, but then they play this game today. And, you know, Josh Allen sits here. We just see him make these two, mm-hmm. um, you know, incredible touchdown passes, but then can have these other moments where you're just, you know, wondering about who he's throwing the ball to. What? Mm-hmm. Give me an idea of him first, of just sort of how his week went and what yeah. you saw up close. Well, I think he was very interesting because um, – we first see these players in during media day and they have a couple interviews with um, reporters and the networks before they take to the field. So Monday they arrive. Um, Josh Allen is one of the few players that addresses the media Monday evening before meeting um, with the rest of the North team. And then the next day they have this huge media day where, you know, pretty much anybody can talk to him. And the kid, he, you got to remember, these are kids. They, they handle him, they, he handles himself incredibly well. He says all the right things. He's that guy where um, you can see him being a face of the franchise, just in the way he carries himself, the way he um, reacts to, you know, not just softball questions, but some really tough questions that are thrown his way, how he interacts with Vance Joseph and the rest of the coaches, how he um, interacts with these other players, who many of which are unfamiliar to him. Um, so you, you can see right away that, yeah, this kid has it, that special something where you know he can be a leader of a team. Um, and then when he takes the field, it's obvious he's got the size. He's got the the perfect um, um, frame for this position. He's bigger. He's stronger. Um, the first thing I noticed was his arm strength. Yeah. I mean, the kid can throw a rocket. Yeah, kept hearing people yeah. saying it's, it's the ball whistles. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about all that, but <laughs> it, the kid could throw a rocket, and right. seemingly with ease. Um, but, you know, one of, one of the things he's often been criticized for, and he even brought this up. I mean, he said flat out, I have to improve my completion percentage. He said he's been working out with Jordan Palmer, Carson's Palmer, Carson Palmer's brother, um, out in California. He's rooming with Sam Darnold while they're out there. And he's really working to, to improve his completion percentage, which was, you know, around 56% last year. Um, but accuracy clearly was an issue. Um, you know, he'll, he'll have these wow throws where he'll make these deep balls um, and find a receiver with an over-the-shoulder grab in the end zone. It's incredible. It's a thing of beauty. Um, and then on the next play, he can throw, you know, a ball that's 10 yards wide. So it, it's that consistency, that accuracy, that, that kind of stood out. But he, you can see why scouts are drooling over this kid. I right. mean, it's the size he has, the potential. I think his ceiling is what draws in a lot of people. Just, yeah, I, you can mold him to be like a, a true starting quarterback. Right. Yeah, and, 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 and you wrote you wrote um, the other day that you know, and, and when it comes down to it, every you know every draft pick, you know, I, I think there was guys like. Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning, who were just you, you just knew right. like, but there's right. so few of those guys that, right. that like that's just a once in right. a generation guy where going into the draft you have no doubts, right. um, and he, and even now you look at Andrew Luck and as good as he was while he was playing now he's got the injury problems, yeah. um, you know I think one thing about jo- Josh Allen that was interesting to me when I when I went up last June to visit him in Laramie before the before his last season um, at Wyoming it, it was kind of interesting to know that his he hit his major growth spurt when he was at um, at community college. The one year that he spent at community college, um, at, I think it was Ridley Community College. And he, um, so before that, this guy was was kind of a twig, and that's the whole reason he never um, got the attention in the first place. Um, and then once he started growing into his body, he always had a, his dad told me he always had an amazing arm, but then he starts getting 
stronger and the rest of the body catches up. So to me, because some guys will just look at the stats and be like, he can't complete passes. And you can understand, you can look at the tape and see there are certainly concerns. Mm -hmm. But there is another thought to me too that this guy in a way is still only a couple years into this new body that he has. And, and he has, he's only worked at like a small high school and then a community college and then a, a fairly small college program. So I can see why this is a guy who you could be like, if you're a team with good coaches and, and, and the ability to really work with a guy, you would think he's a guy that we could kind of mold a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can see both both sides of the discussion. Is look at his upside. Look at look at his body, which is something you, you know you can't teach. You know, he brings something that every team wants, and then you think you can kind of coach him. But on the other side of that is he's going to go from the Mountain West to the NFL. Can you really improve a completion percentage when things get significantly harder that's a big question and but that's you know that plays into the gamble that they face with any player they they draft you know can he get better at the next level um well the things that he struggled with at the college game will they persist in the nfl um these these are risks you take with draft picks i mean heck look at the look at the cowboys they wanted paxton lynch remember right they lost out in the bidding war for Pax and Lynch, and they had to settle with Dak Prescott. I mean, right. so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, and you, I mean, yeah, you can go through it. You look yeah. at Russell Wilson, you know, yeah. uh, I, I believe, was it fourth, fifth, so, somewhere in that yeah. range. And so, yeah, no, it, it certainly um, it is interesting when you look at it that way because there is, there is very little scientific formula that's been proven um, to, to select these guys. Um and then the other guy, obviously, being being Mayfield, who comes with um, sort of a different set of question marks, um, you know, from from the reporting I saw from you and others down there, extremely uh, accurate, um, competitor is focused in there. Yep. Um, you know, people people question his size and those kind of things. What what were your impressions of, of Baker throughout the week? I think he was another that kind of fit the billing he was given coming in in terms of the football stuff. He's mm-hmm. very accurate. He's got a he's got a strong arm too. Um, just the way he reads the defenses, I think is impressive. I think the way he picked up the footwork when he was asked to go under center some, I thought that was very impressive. You can see the kid clearly loves the game, and he, and he works hard at it. He had to, to be a walk-on twice right. and then make it to you know, a Heisman-winning level. Um, you know, I think when he came into the week, um, he set out to, one, show the Broncos and the Texans coaching staff that much um, that that he does have what it takes to, to be a quarterback at the next level, that he does love the game. I think he also set out to dispel some of the um, – some of the talk about how he is off the field too. I mean, we've all seen the stuff how he, you know, how he handles himself before and after games. There was arrest in 2017. We all know the story. Um, but I, I think he he went to Alabama to try to show that maybe that's not the full picture of who he is. And you know, we'll we'll see if he succeeded at that. But you know, I, I thought he handled himself well off the field. Um, he was late getting there because he had a family issue. His mother's ill, so he flew down to Texas immediately upon hearing that and then came to Alabama. And his explanation, I thought, was, you know, perfectly reasonable. Right. And it kind of gave you more reason to support him just because of, you know, the the fact that he told people, you know, family is everything. This is important to me. And, you know, it shows his character. Sure. Um, 
So I, I thought both quarterbacks were impressive, and, and for different reasons. Right. You know, you just have to decide which quarterback you want to go with as a franchise. Yeah, it, it seems like with these quarterbacks, and obviously the other two that we'll see later down the road, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen are the two mm-hmm. the two others that get talked about in that uh, top four guy, then even Lamar Jackson to some degree. But it seems like it's almost like a Rorschach test with these guys. Like, you could look at these, you know, the ink blots of their performance and see different things. It it sort of seems it's kind of like within the eye of a, of a scout or of a mm-hmm. personnel director. It's mm-hmm. it's almost what everybody takes it's in a kind preference. of... It's a preference. Yeah. It's totally a preference. But the other thing I thought was really interesting was, while so many people were focused on those two, the guys behind them really stood out, too. I thought Luke Falk was very impressive. He showed much more than I think many people anticipated he could show coming into this because, you know, the headliners were, were Mayfield and Allen, but right. I could totally see him being, you know, a, a pretty good pick for a team, if not the first round, the second, third round. So, right. and that that could be an option for the Broncos. You never know. You know, if they, if they decide to find their next quarterback in free agency, maybe move up and get a playmaker like a Saquon Barkley type and then find their developmental guy in the second, third rounds, it's totally an option. Right. Um, every Everything's really an option for them. So they may they may have gained a lot of insight with a guy like Luke Fall coming out of this. Right. Um, I, I want to ask you quickly about um, one of the things I wrote about for tomorrow is sort of, um, you know, the I guess the, um, the more emergence of the spread offense, these, you know, college offenses – as Chris Harris called it after they lost the Eagles, even though he was trying to give them uh, a compliment. Um, and, and it seemed like Vance had some interesting things to say about um, that we can't continue to, to watch these guys, to watch their film for four or five months, see what they do well, and then force them to do something different. Do you, do you see – I've almost sensed since the end of the year that – the Broncos have, have experienced a little bit of an awakening in terms of mm-hmm. needing to add some of the elements that we saw so many playoff teams, the Chiefs, the Titans, the, the Eagles, the Jaguars, use those concepts mm-hmm. to great success. Have you kind of started to sense that that that's might be a direction the Broncos are moving offensively? Yeah, I, I think they're realizing that they have to evolve too. Um, and, and this is a team, uh, a franchise that historically has. You know, they, they've taken great strides in – um, kind of adapting their facilities and, and their staff and their ways of operating um, that, you know, it kind of moves them um, moves them forward. I mean, this is a franchise that, you know, brought in, you know, um, brought in chefs to create meals for them, and they got like a $38 million indoor field house and training facility. So the next step is you, you got to keep evolving on the field too. Right. Um you know, part of the reasoning for parting with some of the coaches this year, and though some of them I still kind of question, part of the reasoning was they want to continue to evolve and, and develop these young guys. And you can see how they've done that with um, some of their new titles and splitting up offensive line duties and specializing in the defensive backfield. So there's clearly an emphasis on developing guys mm-hmm. and, and helping them make that transition from college to the pros, which is a very tough transition at any position. Um, but it, it, part of it also stems from the fact that the games are so different. Right. Um, and with so many teams now implementing that run pass option that, you know, gives quarterbacks even more options, um, behind the line of scrimmage, I, I think it's, I think it's 
I think it's incumbent on the Broncos really to to kind of evolve in that regard too. Right. And they are. I mean, when when we asked Vance Joseph about it during media day at the Senior Bowl, um, he kind of jokingly said he hates it because this is a guy that was a longtime defensive right. backs coach, so it makes it very difficult on on defensive backs and right. trying to cover it because there's so many things you can do. Um, but he acknowledged the fact that, yeah, we're, we're going to have to find ways to adapt to their game and help them adapt to ours, which yeah. I thought was very interesting. And just, um, you know, in one of the examples he made that I read um, that you wrote was the, the play in Philadelphia when Aqib Tlaib was guarding Alshon Jeffrey. The, the Eagles had Carson Wentz in, in the shotgun and Jay Ajayi lined up on the right side. And Tlaib is, is watching because you have to, if you have a quarterback that's even a little bit mobile, that just, even if it's a pause in your head to say, Wentz could be coming mm-hmm. my way after he fakes that, I have to be ready for that. So he gets in that position and that one pause was all that Wentz needed to allow Jeffrey to run behind him uh, for an easy 32-yard touchdown pass. Um, probably Eagles would have still won that game. If, uh... <laughs> probably. But but this is this is one of the best and, and smartest quarterbacks right. in the game. Yeah. So if you can figure out a way to beat him, then right. you got a tremendous Yeah, you, you have the ability to, to neutralize guys and, and again, put put in concept. That, that was the one thing that – and I, there, there's a lot of – I mean, there's a lot of issues that we could get into that, that Paxton Lynch faced. And, you know, we – you know, some of it probably a lot on his own kind of preparation and ability to get ready the way that he needed to. Um, but, you know, I personally th- kind of thought that there wasn't – there were times where they didn't – and they'd probably say the same thing – didn't put him in those kind of situations. Right. Uh, again, only four starts, but where he could, um, you know, really utilize some of those some of those things. And, and again, you're like you said, you have to transition. You're not going to play an entire game, uh, you know, of spread offense football. It just You can't protect that way right. because there's too many good – and fast and athletic defensive players in the NFL. But, um, yeah, we're, we've just been seeing it all over the league, the ability to kind of add those elements mm-hmm. uh, into the game a little bit. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if they incorporate those aspects even more this year with Musgrave as offensive coordinator full-time. Um, you could kind of see him get to work late in the season um, and, and finding ways to play to his quarterback's strengths. Um, that offense could look – very different this year just in terms of new faces but it'll be interesting to see how they um you know what concepts they use or don't use um to take advantage of whoever's in for them one more thing on senior bowl before we end it mm-hmm. what who, who are some other guys this week that just kind of caught your eye i thought i thought some of the playmakers were really interesting some of the guys that you know again are not perhaps household names. They've come from smaller schools. I thought one of them was Shaquem Griffin. He's a one-handed uh, linebacker from Central Florida. I, I thought he was just so impressive um, on the field, off the field. Um, he, he really makes the most of what he was given. And this is a guy that had his uh, his left hand, I believe, um, a right hand uh, amputated at age four because of a um, um, kind of a, a birth defect. But it, he is—he's fast. Mm-hmm. He's smart. Um, he's powerful too, um, and he has that kind of demeanor where you instantly take a liking right. to him. Um, so he was one. I also thought Alan, Alan Lazard, um, a receiver, he became a regular target for for Baker Mayfield. I thought he was really impressive, along with Michael Gallup, um, Colorado State receiver. Um, he's kind of made a history of winning those 50-50 balls, and he continued that. Um, 
I bet Alabama. Mayfield was glad to be thrown to Lazard because I, when Iowa State beat Oklahoma yeah. earlier this year, it was Lazard who kind of yeah. <laughs> torched the Sooners. Yeah. So. The, the other the other two that really stood out to me was uh, Kalen Balage, mm-hmm. Arizona State from Colorado. I mean, that is a big kid, a powerful back, and he 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 really shined. I thought in the three days of practices. I mean, he really used his size to his advantage and just the way he you know broke through defenses right. it was really impressive and i heard the audio from his interview seems like a like a kid who's yeah. ready for this really yeah. really sharp and prepared for, yeah. for what he's getting into now and the other one was will hernandez um he's a guard out of utep he played uh for sean kugler who is now the broncos new um interior offensive line coach um he he had some really interesting things to say when we talked to him after practice on thursday and that you know, he, he was a late qualifier coming out of high school, and, you know, though he received looks from big-name schools, they ultimately passed on him because of timing. And then Kugler offered him a scholarship out of UTEP, and, you know, he, he remained loyal to him for for five years. Um, and then he was reunited with him this week. And you could see there's a, there's a real deep connection there, and he really appreciates uh, Kugler's teaching. But this kid, is he's huge. He's 340 pounds, wow. but he moves so well. And he you know if the Broncos look to him to fill a guard position, I that could be something. Yeah. He, he was impressive. Let's finish with this. We're, now, this is obviously a, a big step one for the Broncos in terms of their um, off-season mm-hmm. schedule. What what's next? What 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 um what do people need to be looking for in terms of what what comes next yeah. in this off season step for the Broncos? So after this, they'll go back and review all their notes. Um, while this the Super Bowl is going through next week, I, I don't imagine to see many of them in Minnesota. So they'll kind of stay back and review their notes. And in February, they all head to the combine. That's obviously a huge week for them, just in terms of talking to players, evaluating players. And then they shift their focus back to free agency. Um, remember, this comes first. This is where they could fill a lot of their biggest holes, be it at quarterback or other positions um, on their roster. So that's that's the first major step where they'll begin to retool. The trading market um, opens when free agency does. So you could see some veterans come and go. Um, and then, you know, once they get that piece done, they'll, they'll shift their focus back to the draft in, in late April. So it's a long process. It's only the beginning, which seems weird. It feels like we've been away from the game <laughs> for a like while. The, yeah, the, the season's been over forever, and it's been less than a month. <laughs> yeah, so they're really just in the beginning phases. Um, so the next couple months, they'll, they'll continue to evaluate, and then March, they'll begin to make their biggest moves. Broncos won't be in Minneapolis, but you will. Yeah, Are you not. ready for the... Nope, I'm going to freeze. I'm going to freeze. <laughs> I think I texted you the, the weather. It's going to be like single It'll digits most of the time. I need like a big fur coat. But uh, yeah, Nikki will be down there at the Super Bowl doing all kinds of um, you know stuff with Broncos ties and just other good NFL stories. So make, be sure to keep us locked in at denverpost.com slash Broncos for full coverage. And uh, subscribe to this podcast uh, on iTunes at First and Orange. And that way, every time we do one of these uh, weekly podcasts, it'll uh, just pop right in your phone. Um, Nikki, thanks for uh, thanks for coming over. Yeah, this is fun. All right. See you guys next time. <laughs>